Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Now hit the road with your hosts Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been covering the minor leagues and the major leagues for the better part of five seasons now. Joining me this evening are my good buddies and co-hosts, Gaurav Vidak and Matt Powers. You can find Gaurav on Twitter at GVDAC or at the Braves at the Braves Reddit Twitter account where you you'll see him tweeting about basically whatever dad jokes or puns coming into his head occasionally about baseball uh and you can follow Matt Powers uh Matt over at Matt Powers 31 um where he talks a lot about amateur baseball and like kind of the lower levels but really if there's anything that's going on with Braves baseball you'll hear something about it from him you guys how are you doing doing awesome man excited for this all-star break excited to see uh Mr. Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby. Yeah, Cunha too, really. I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. The futures game, I'm, I'm looking forward to too. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Matt, what about you, man? I'm very excited. I'm debating a last minute trip out there to Cleveland right now, later tonight to get there for the high school all star game, the high school home run derby, and then of course the futures game. And if I can find a ticket, that's a little bit more on the cheap end, the Home Run Derby, which surprisingly has a ridiculous price tag on the tickets for the Home Run Derby. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the the Home Run Derby and, I mean, obviously in the All-Star game, they, they both have been fairly expensive tickets. So people really like the Home Run Derby. The, obviously, the Home Run Porch seats are kind of like weirdly premium seats because of how that event works. But it's going to be an exciting event. It has Vladdy Jr., Acuna. It's going to have a lot. I mean, a lot of big-name power hitters are going in there. Um I, I, did, I did read a tweet right before we went live that apparently Christian Yelich was, has been practicing for the home run derby, and he like parked a ball that ended up breaking the window of a boat in the river outside of right field. Um, and like the cops were called and all this other stuff. It's, it, I don't know. I'm, I always enjoy the home run derby more than I think I will every year, but it's not really, it's just, I don't have the same kind of, Love for it that I used to, like when Ken Griffey Jr. was like, you know, winning it like back in 93 and you get to see like Frank Thomas. Just, it's just a different event now. It's still fun and I like the changes that they've made to the format of it, but I don't know. 
for me, if I, if I if I'm you, I probably would just like hit up like the, maybe if you want to hit the, the hit up the high school high school home run derby, hit up the futures game. But in terms of like value for your ticket, I don't know. It's I mean I understand that Vladdy Junior's in it and it's kind of one of your guys, but Vladdy and Acuna would be the reasons that I'd consider paying a little bit more. Well, I mean, it's well the, the difference between not going and going. I don't know if it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, it's probably after StubHub fees. At least the other day when I looked, would have cost about two hundred for the cheapest seat in the park. But but if I wait till the morning of and try to get it at a discount, then because people are just trying to move them, maybe I can get in cheap. I wish you the best of luck in that endeavor. I'm much uh, less optimistic than you are about it. Oh, I've um, done it before. I for the for the home run derby, I'm skeptical. I'm not saying that for other events you can't do it. I'm just saying for this one in particular, I don't know. I'm, again, a little bit skeptical, but it might happen. Who knows? Um, before we kind of get into, we're, we're gonna this one's episode is gonna be a little bit all over the place. It's more like kind of a touching base and updating you guys, as well as a, kind of a little bit of a preview as to what our prospect rankings are gonna be coming up, which is gonna be released next week uh, during the All Star break. It's gonna be six a day for five days. I'm pretty sure that Garrett's gonna do an honorable mentions like he usually does. It'll be like that Sunday before where like guys who didn't make the list in no particular order talk to, talk about them a little bit, and then it's gonna be six a day for five days leading you to a top 30. Um, but before we get into that, uh, there was a few announcements. Obviously, the Futures game participants, were the rosters were announced. Big fan of the changes they made, where it was uh, instead of U.S. versus World, which kind of resulted in some really weird roster construction stuff happening. Um, it's it's going to be just like the – it's going to be similar to the uh, American League and uh, the All-Star game where it's going to be American League and National League. The Braves got two participants on the, the National League roster in Ian Anderson – and Christian Pache, both from Double A Mississippi. Uh, there's been there's some notable guys who were probably deserving the spots. Drew Waters, Kyle Muller. You could probably make an argument for Tucker Davidson. A few other a few other guys, depending on position. But overall, I mean, Grav, I'll go to you first. How are you feeling about these kind of these picks? Uh, I definitely would have liked to see I'd like to have seen Kyle Muller in there. But I mean, Ian Anders, especially Drew Waters as well, since they're kind of Pache and, and, and Waters are basically going at the exact same rate. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of nitpicky right now. I, I'm, I'm sure they just wanted to get some all-stars from other teams and not just have the starting outfielder of a, a starting outfield of two Mississippi Braves players. Like, Ian Anderson's had one heck of a season. You know, <clears throat> you look at – people have been, like, talking about him. Maybe not so much, like, his stock, his stock is skyrocketing or anything like that, but then – you still look at his numbers on the season, almost a 12K per nine. He lives, he, he leads the Southern League in strikeouts, strikeouts per nine. He's got an almost 43% ground ball rate, 2.91 ERA. Like, he's still a stud, and yet people are, are kind of down on him for whatever reason. Totally understandable. Christian Pache, you know, one, uh, 154 WRC plus, uh, between him and Drew Waters, those are the two youngest people, youngest kids in the Southern League. Uh, in that league, wow, in the top 30 in WRC plus, like offensive juggernauts, uh, would have liked to seen Waters in there for sure, just because he's basically the exact same player Pache is right now. Uh, but I understand. Matt, what about you, man? You, I mean, I don't think they got the picks necessarily wrong. I have some thoughts. I mean, Ian Anderson definitely helped his cause by helping contribute to that no hitter, uh, that Mississippi threw <laughs> recently, but, uh, you, you think they got the, the two guys right? Yeah, I think they probably did get the two guys right. Muller may be deserving, but 
could also see why you might not want to take him because his command has been a little uneven this year. So going with the guy who's been a little bit more consistent, even though Mueller has some great numbers and is basically the same caliber of prospect, makes sense. And when you have to take only one of the two outfielders, Pache's probably got the higher overall upside, so you have to lean to him over Waters, even though you could really take either one just as easily. So I have some specific thoughts on this. Is One, it's that I feel like Muller and Anderson have very similar years, but Anderson has been overall better. I think that Muller's recent starts have been a little bit more uneven, which is kind of, and whereas Anderson has gotten better and better as the years go on. More importantly, it's it's important to remember like this isn't a vote necessarily. This is like guys are chosen for this for this game, and they want representation from all around the league. There's no, I don't think any team has more than three guys, and I think two teams have three. Whereas you know the Braves have two and. Pache and Waters are somewhat redundant in a lot of ways. Um, even being in the same outfield, those guys, they, they're interchangeable in center field, so much so that like the, every other day, the one starts in center field and the other one, then the other one does. Both have been very, very good. And if they had picked Waters over Pache, I would have, I wouldn't have hated it, but I do think Pache's had the better year, even though like Pot, Waters has kind of had the better overall, like, average and he's has kind of some some flashy on base streak type stuff. I think that overall the development in Pache's game, particularly from the power perspective, has been eye opening. And his overall game just again if you're if you had to pick one of the two, I'd probably pick Pache. But both have been really have been excellent. And same thing for Muller. Muller's been really good this year. He's still striking out a ton of guys. But he's had he's not, hasn't been making it quite in as, as deep in starts. Anderson uh, notably was a, like a part of the no hitter that Mississippi threw recently. Just struck out like 14, 15 guys you know, he's been striking out guys left and right. It seems like he keeps getting better and better. I, they're, they're good, two very good representatives of the Braves farm system. You know, two, a high upside pitcher and a high upside outfielder who can, are really exciting to watch both like in the field as well as either on the mound or at the plate, depending on which one you're talking about. We had a lot, I had a lot of people, I don't know if you guys did, but like I had a lot of people like mad that Waters didn't get in or Muller didn't get in. Uh, there was even some outrage about Tucker Davidson who like, and these are all guys who've had really good years, but, the, the Futures game isn't so much about, like, only the most deserving get the spots. It's also, like, trying to have representation around the league. And there's, like, some really – there's going to be some really good prospects that you're going to see that may have gotten in over those other guys that I, I I understand the spirit of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not like the All-Star game where it's supposed to – it's supposed to be, you know, the best guys, you know, starting, et cetera, et cetera. So – Overall, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I'm I'm happy to see two had the Braves have two representatives in that it's, for a few years there. Even though they had a good farm system, all their guys were so young they weren't like getting a lot of futures game representation. So I'm glad that we've seen in recent years, you know, between Acuna and Soroka, a few other guys that there's, we're seeing more Braves in that game. Um, other than that, uh, the just in terms of like general recap stuff, Trey Harris just keeps hitting guys. He's in the Florida State League, and everyone that's where you're not supposed to be able to hit and you know, have a 900 OPS. You know, I think there's only three guys that have over an 800 OPS in that league that are have, quali- have a qualified number of bats. And Trey Harris is sitting there as well. It's like a 955 OPS the last time I looked or something like that. He's been insane. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to make of him. I mean, Matt, I'm going to go to you first. I mean, kind of what – is he just going to be a guy that just hits at every level or do you think he's going to level out? You know, I kind of thought he was going to level out a little bit after Rome because I thought he was just a guy who – based four years of SEC competition, but he hasn't. 
And at this point, you have to question whether he's even going to level out. Obviously, he's going to have to keep on hitting every time he ends up moving up a level to keep proving himself because the tools aren't as loud as some other guys. But he hasn't really shown that he can't do it. And until he shows he can't do it, you're just going to have to keep on giving him chances. Yeah, I could. The only question I have about him, like, is is just the kind of the power with his bat anyway. The 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 other tools in terms of you know whether it be speed or you know defensively and things like like, like those. Uh, I first want to know kind of what his bat is, and I just don't know how much power we're going to see from him. I mean, look at Jeff McNeil from the Mets. He's been great, and his numbers over his career are just insane but he has almost no power whatsoever. If I pull up his stats right now, Jeff McNeil, and I think he just crossed over that 162-game mark for his career. Uh, no, he's not even at 162. He's at 136, 552 plate appearances. He's hitting 340, 398, 496, 894 OPS with a 146 OPS+. plus. He's got... 10 homers only, 34 doubles, 7 triples, only stolen 10 bases. So he doesn't have a lot of power, doesn't have a lot of speed, but he just keeps on hitting, keeps getting on base. I mean, obviously that's the best case scenario for Trey to be a guy with that kind of numbers, but some version of that maybe? I mean, it's not the worst comparison. Maybe like an... Hmm... That really isn't that really isn't the worst comparison, especially like for like a peak potential. Like we're not, I don't think we're, any of us are advocating like that's what's going to happen because he's at the end of the day he's still in high A. But Garav, I mean, kind of what 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 are you expecting from Trey? Do you I mean do you think he finishes out the year at Rome, at, at Florida, or do you think he's going to like force his way force the Braves' hand and kind of hit his way in the Double A? Well, I mean, there's really no space in Double A right now, right? Um, I mean, I assume he's probably just stay in the in Florida for the rest of the season, but. I mean, yeah, it really depends. It'd take a lot of moves just to move him up because of the flooded, the, the kind of flooded outfield they have, both in Mississippi and Gwinnett. Uh, but, I mean, the guy, if he continues at this rate, he would be very deserving. I actually did want to ask you two a question about this, and I haven't read the book, but I've been told many times that, like, uh, analytics really changed how he swung or how he approached hitting. Uh, and someone... They like talk about it on a book called The MVP Machine, uh, and I'm curious if either of you have heard about that, and if so, like what exactly has he learned from uh, analytics and how it's impacted him as a player? I, I actually had some people tweet a bit about that too. I haven't read the book, so what I need to do is I just need to go ahead and read that <laughs> because it's not the first time I've heard it. And yeah, same here. I, uh, but I just have to, I just get a hold of it because, uh, and if any of you readers out there or listeners have read this book and have any like insight that you want to share, make sure you tweet it at us as to kind of what the what the general consensus is that what Trey changed and then went into the season doing what he's doing because he's been a monster. I mean, he's been the probably the best hitter in the Brave system, uh, other than Austin Riley, who's now at the major league level causing terror. But, you know, overall, he's probably I mean, right there with Raphis Demerit, which is not a, a sentence that I thought I'd be saying in 2019. But, you know, overall, like, OPS-wise and just overall production-wise, he's been insane. Um, I, I actually started to read the book a little bit. I haven't gotten very far. I've only downloaded the um, free sample from the 
iPhone bookstore, and it looks like it could be interesting. I don't have the part about him included in that, but it's looking like something I'd actually want to take the time to read. It seems like it's going to be good. Um, I, I do want to say, though, that I think Arav is right. The problem right now is, like, in AA and AAA, I don't see much mobility happening. I think that between the guys who are on the 40-man roster or could be in consideration for the 40-man roster, Aquanet, combined with – I just don't see – because of that, I don't see Pache or Waters making it to Gwinnett this year because I don't think that the Braves – just because they don't get any, those guys don't get any time at Inguinette this year, I don't think it will impact any roster considerations that they have for them for next year. If they're going to make the roster, they're just going to make the roster. If they're going to get called up by, you know, with the service time stuff, all that factored in, that's going to happen regardless of whether or not they make it to AAA this year or not. I don't see a, like a, a substantial difference for them. As long as they're just getting consistent at bats and consistent time, you know, looking in center field, the different positions, and then they can kind of make those roster adjustments from that. I don't see that movement happening. So as a result, it's kind of, it's hard to find a spot for, for Trey at double A right now because, I mean, Drew Waters and Christian Pache are both there. They have other guys on their roster they don't necessarily want to just release. They're kind of running out of guys that they can just kind of get rid of. Uh, once they release Izzy Wilson and, you know, there are a couple other moves, I just don't, I don't really see much mobility. This year, I just don't. A um, few other notes. Uh, 2019 draftees for Rome. Uh, Shay Langoliers has been playing well. He hasn't been playing a ton. Uh, he's been like every other day. Uh, I feel like they're playing things just a little safe, just to make sure he's you know staying fresh. Braden Schumach's been insane. Um, he currently sports an OPS over a thousand in, in his first 14 games, uh, batting 424 with a 460 OBP and a 5, uh, 593 slugging percentage. You know. Only three walks through your first 14 games isn't ideal, but he's also like has multi-hit games in literally every, in almost every, I say literally, almost every, uh, game he's been playing. Uh, Garav, I mean, what, has your outlook on Shoemaker changed? Because from watching him, I've watched him live a couple times now, and the, the numbers are loud. Do you, do you mean, have you, are you more excited about him than you are? I wouldn't say I'm more excited about him. I'm, I'm glad he's doing this at the level he is because it's tough to, it's a, his draft pick is still a tough pill to swallow for me. I'm, I'm super glad he is performing at this level. I mean, I'm pretty sure they, they drafted him because his, his floor is really high. And that's what you're seeing right now in Rome. He's just like, he's better than the quality of players down there like he's just better he's not going to be he might not be better than them long term but right now he's just better than them so I'm I'm, I'm not going to discredit him because he's still performing at a very elite level but I'm glad that he is performing at this level because it'd be very, very tough for me personally <laughs> Matt I know you have strong feelings on him but I mean are you feeling a little bit better now no not at all because this really is not much of a difference than where he played for the last three years in the SEC. The pitching is not that much better. So if he wasn't hitting at a very high level, I mean, it's impressive that he's still hitting and he's definitely putting up better numbers than what he put up in the SEC. But you could make the argument that SEC weekend starters are better than anything he's going to face on a consistent basis in the Sally League. So... I'll, I'll believe it a little bit more once he gets to Florida and starts hitting in high A when he starts to actually face tougher pitching than what he faced in college. 
I can respect that position because you're right that there's a lot of young and a lot of not particularly great pitching in in in, in low A. You know, it, it's nice to know that he can produce against these guys, right? Because we, ultimately, these are professionals. Um, I think that the, the, your point about the SEC weekend starters is a salient one because you saw a lot of first a first round talent uh, or first or second round talent right there in the SEC on on a week on a on a week end weekend to weekend basis. So I'm curious with him. I don't think because I don't think they're going to be doing a ton of changes with like their with his swing or any adjustments to kind of what he's doing or not doing. I think they're just kind of getting him acclimated. I would be curious as to whether or not they move him up to Florida this year, or alternatively, they keep him at Rome all year this year. Just let him keep mashing against these guys, get comfortable, get him down to instructs, and then he's more of a candidate to skip Florida altogether. Which, frankly, I can't really fault them for doing because sending guys particularly important prospects to Florida is a really tough situation just because of the the constant rain delays and everyone's out of sync down there and it's not the best situation to play in all the time down there. If you if you decide to go out the road of just let him finish out at Rome and then next next year maybe possibly entertain the idea of sending him straight to double A, I could understand it and I could respect it. Because and I think it's fair to be skeptical Given his track record of kind of like an all average, some some of all the parts type guy, to see whether or not he can really perform at a high level against like at least high A, if not double A pitching, before you kind of really jump on board. But me seeing him live, it looks easy. It's not just it's not just the level of competition. It's just kind of how he plays. Hits the ball hard. It's, was a really was had really smooth actions and playing in the field when I saw him. So. I am more optimistic than I was, but I'm also understanding kind of what he is, which is, you know, a 21 year old guy who was a, a high level performer in the SEC, even though we're maybe a little skeptical of the tools. I'm more optimistic that he could end up being productive as a professional. And that's, as, that's about as far as I'm willing to go with it, but it's really nice to see how well he's doing. Um, Bryce Ball has also been insane. Do you have any, um, Matt, you, I don't know if you have him in front of you, but do you have any numbers on Bryce that you want to talk about? I don't even have the numbers up at the moment, but he's always done his hit. And if you look back to what he did in Juco, I mean, two years ago, this was the year before this year, before he ended up at Dallas Baptist, all he did in Juco was hit. And he didn't really get noticed because he didn't actually play at the biggest Juco, a little smaller school in Iowa, which is where he's actually from. But it was enough to get him the chance to go to Dallas Baptist, which doesn't really sound like a big school baseball-wise if you don't really follow college baseball because they're not a school you hear about. But they just keep on winning, keep on producing pros. He gets there, puts up huge numbers, gets drafted, comes into pro ball, and just hits, hits some more. I mean, you can't ask for anything more no matter what level he's at. He's just consistently hit, whether it's Juco, whether it's Division One baseball, whether it's professional baseball. Yeah, he's a prime candidate down in Danville for, for me to see him make it to Rome this year and see what he does against professionals. Because in his particular case, while he's not the youngest guy in the world, the level of competition he's faced hasn't been particularly great. And so far in Danville, all he's done is just mash. He just consistently has big hits after big hits. Willie Harris is another guy who continually produces well. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I have his numbers in front of me. And just so everyone knows, he's hitting 360, 441, and he's slugging 760 on the season. 
I mean, that seems pretty good. Well, like 1100 plus OPS seems pretty good, uh, regardless of what <laughs> level you're at. It's, it's been nuts. He's been, he's been really and good. And it's not like, it's not like, it's not like the OP, the OPS is being inflated by like a high walk rate. He's just hitting the ball extremely hard every single time. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and he and he is walking. I think guys are a little bit more uh, hesitant to throw him strikes right now, but he's he's been forming. Willie Harris has been another guy. He had a hit a grand slam the other day. Willie uh, Carter. Oh, Willie Carter. What a yeah, Willie Carter, oh, the former pinch hitter. The former pinch hitter. Yeah, big league pinch hitter Willie Harris. Remember, maybe the nineteen nineties or so. Oh, man, is my brain really like going back that far in time? That's Probably. not good. That's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, Willie Carter, uh, has been performing really well. Um, I can't think of anyone else that's kind of coming to mind performance wise, uh, other than the guys we already talked about, like the futures game participants. Um, Patrick Weigel's been performing reasonably well up in Gwinnett. You know, the Gwinnett shuttle's in full effect with Kyle Wright for pitching well. I imagine he's gonna probably get another start here before too long in Atlanta. Uh, his last three or four starts, he's been performing really well. And Matt saw him recently, and he looked good there. Bryce Wilson had a bad, at a iffy start against the Cubs, and he also had a pretty decent one more recently against the Phillies. So again, we're going to kind of see that Gwinnett shuffle happening, where guys that you know the, the Kyle Wrights and the Bryce Wilsons, the guys who are already on the forty man roster, can continue to get opportunities. Which I'm not sure if it really bodes well for Colby Allard's chances going forward, just because there's so many guys that have chances to get starts. I'm just not sure when he's going to get an opportunity in Atlanta, even though he's been pitching pretty well um, tonight. The return of Talking top legend and guy we really liked, CJ Alexander is coming back. He had elbow surgery to remove some loose, uh, some loose bodies in his elbow. He's going to be coming back. Hopefully he performs well because even before the injury, the double A wasn't treating him particularly well. So hopefully it was because of that injury that he wasn't quite right. And, you know, coming back from injury that that's going to be something that he kind of picks up where he left off last year where he was performing really well at the plate. Um, we have a few guys that are in rehab right now. Uh, Tristan Backhead made, made a recent rehab start where he was rehabbing a groin injury. Freddie Tarnock's getting back on track and made a rehab appearance down in the GCL as well. And Corbin Klaus, who's been dealing with some shoulder inflammation, he's been out for a while. And, you know, he, they, he had a rehab appearance, but they, for whatever reason, they had him out there for like four plus innings. And, you know, the first couple of innings went fine. The, the other two didn't go quite as well. But overall, I mean, any of those guys in particular really catching your eye? Um, Matt, we'll go to you first. So Tarnock started again most recently today, and if you look at his numbers overall, they were pretty good, but he didn't really have the best command. I mean, he ended up with a couple hit batters in there, uh, but obviously it's the GCL, and I think it was basically the kind of start you'd hope for other than maybe the command being a little off. It was his second start back, but... Hopefully that's the right sign in the right direction. Uh, Tristan Beck started out slow in his first start, but then he had a second start, which gave you hope that he's close to where you want him to be and almost ready for Florida at this point. And Klaus, I mean, for me at least, it was a positive sign that he looked good early, and I could care less that he got hit hard later on in that outing because when's he ever going to go four innings in a game unless it's extra an extra inning game? And that's the only real takeaway I have out of that. Grav, you have any thoughts on those rehabbing guys? You know, I'm really glad to get, hopefully, hopefully see Tristan Beck in 
any kind of game type situation. Uh, he's pretty, pretty highly thought of coming out of college and you just haven't had really had the opportunity to see him shine. He struggled with his command last year to the tune. I think I can't remember his numbers, but it was like a five walk per nine. And then that's not something that he's supposed to be known for. He's supposed to have like really good command. So excited to see him back. And then Taranaki, the injury sucks because we know how raw he is and he's going to take more time to develop as a pitcher than anyone else. So it is good that he is back up there. Hopefully they can avoid any type of injury going here fourth because he just needs time to develop. And, uh, you know, these, these like shoulder things, you, you pray it doesn't continually happen. So hopefully we're good to go and, and, uh, see all three of these guys back on the, you know, not just rehabbing, but going forth, making a good rest of the season. Yeah. I'm, I, I really just want to see significant innings from Beck, period. We just haven't seen him pitch all that much. I mean, never mind the fact that we can't actually watch him because he's in the Florida State League, but we can't even, like, get meaningful information about him right now because, one, he had he had the injury really early on in the season, and, you know, before that, he wasn't particularly good. And I think that he, considering he's an advanced college arm, I want to kind of see what overall larger sample size, what he can actually produce against competition that he, frankly, should be ready for. Uh, I'm not worried about Klaus at all. You know, he should be he should be fine uh, so long as the injury doesn't crop back up. But in terms of like the actual what he is and what you know his overall production, I I feel like that as long as he's healthy, he's a guy that should be in consideration for a bullpen spot in Atlanta this year. Assuming that again he comes back from the shoulder injury, okay. Um, other news: Victor Vodnik uh, went to the injured list. Sounds like it's just a blister issue, uh, which means it won't be like a long term thing, and won't he won't be out for super long. He's just going to miss a little bit of time for a guy with you know like throws triple digits with that much movement it's not that crazy that there's going to be some blister issues from time to time hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we already mentioned that Izzy Wilson got released. Uh, for a lot of reasons, but and you know, Matt and I talked a little bit about those the last time we had we had the podcast. But in in very sad news for me, I, it's not completely unexpected just because of the, his career path. But Darian Cruz is retired. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you guys for I kind of share my thoughts, Gaurav. What did you kind of see this coming, and how are you feeling about it? So it's, it's twofold. I 100 percent. One hundred percent saw this coming. You know, he struggled his entire pro. Like, not only struggled, he struggled to at a very, very, very bad level of like. He's just he's not had a good career whatsoever. It didn't look like baseball was really his thing. But I hate saying that because like as a as a human as an individual, Darian Cruz will go out of your way to talk to him. If you ever want to talk baseball to someone. You can send him a message, and if he's got his phone on him or if he's on the computer, he's going to answer it. Like, the quality of person this is makes this decision, like, actually difficult for me because you want to see kids like this who are so dedicated, uh, that are so passionate, that are so well-mannered and well-spoken. You want to see them go far. And when there are, for whatever reason, it's just not clicking and they're forced to hang it up, 
That really sucks. At least I will say he gets to go out on his own accord. He was not released. Uh, I know that that would have been a really tough thing for him to take. And I'm, I know based on how I personally feel about him, I know the Braves wouldn't want to do that because that's a great, even just like person, like as a person aside, that's a great PR uh, aspect that they could have used uh, out of him. So I know they wouldn't have wanted to do that either. So at least he got to come out on his own accord. I wish him the best of luck. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes wherever he wants to and is like teaching baseball or if he's teaching someone just because that's the kind of person he is. He's very mentoring. I've only heard really great things about him from other players. Like it's going to be tough, but hopefully he, he stays on in baseball and is able to pursue his passion in some way. Matt, what about you? I'm mixed. I'm not surprised that he's no longer brave, but at the same time, when a guy has his kind of natural raw talent, even though he hasn't been able to put it together, they tend to move around from team to team to just see if they can figure it out, maybe the change of scenery. So I guess I'm a little surprised that that didn't happen for him, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because he, unfortunately, has not played well to this point, even though he's a great guy. I agree, and I'll just echo that I really do think very highly of Darian as a person, and I've always enjoyed every interaction I've ever had with him. I think his is a case that is one that's a cautionary one about moving players too quickly when they're very young. Uh, it's, it's, he, even when he got to Danville, uh, when he first kind of was in rookie ball, nothing about his profile and how he performed and any of the scouting report I heard that sounded like he was ready for Rome that first, that first stint. It's that, you know, he wasn't quite ready at the plate, wasn't quite ready as a fielder. Uh, it's not a question of talent. It's just a question of, you know, needing more refinement, has to learn more about his game and who he is as a player and kind of how to his approach to the plate. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He got moved to Rome anyway. Had some pretty high-profile, terrible games, particularly in the field, where he made a bunch of has made a bunch of errors. And I don't think he ever recovered from that. But for a guy to go through that, get sent back down, sent back to extended, sent back down to rookie ball, and try to remake himself, he just abandons the left-handed swing, only bats from the right-handed side, where he was better for, where he was always a better hitter. You know, doesn't try to stay at shortstop, gets moved to third. He might play, he was going to try to play a little bit of outfield too. When I talked to him to start the season and when he, when he got back to Rome, he sounded optimistic about kind of where he was going, what was going to be happening for him going forward. And to see him, when he was bumped up to Florida, it almost felt like nothing about his numbers made one think that he should have been bumped up there. But then like he just didn't see much playing time and it felt like the writing was on the wall that he was just kind of being moved as a roster piece and not necessarily as a guy who's going to be taken seriously as a prospect, because ultimately it, it, he didn't produce. He just didn't. And again, I again echo what Garav says. I hope that he ends up staying in baseball somehow, or whatever he chooses to do, I hope he's happy. And going out on his own terms like this, it feels like it was his decision, that he felt like you know this was just wasn't going to be for him, and I hope he does well wherever he goes. Because again, this like A-plus guy, really liked him, and... You know, it's a shame kind of how things went for him. Before we let you guys go, we're going to do a little bit of a preview. We don't want to go too much into our rankings. One, because I haven't run the composite yet, because a certain somebody, I'm not naming names, Matthew Powers, 
hasn't given us uh, we don't have all of our personal rankings in uh in yet and I actually haven't run the composite so I can't I couldn't give you any particular sneak peeks as to what's going on with our prospect list which will come out next week next week but I do want each of us to give two two guys who are trending up on your rankings and two are trending down and I'll and I'll finish it out so Garav we'll go to you first who are your two guys up and then your two guys down are we going into why we they're up or and down, or do we just uh, name who they are? No, you you can you can go into. It. I wouldn't say how okay. high you're. Don't don't say don't don't give. Yeah, me too yeah, much yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got gotcha. My two my two trending upwards are, are definitely really easy for me. It's Christian Pache. I uh, I think the reason I, I've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast this season. Uh, it's just a di- completely different a- approach at at the plate that I'm seeing from him, and a lot more balanced. And from now on, I told you, I think it was like a month and a half ago that I buy into what he's doing. Uh, I buy into his five tool projection now. So like, that's number one. Number two is just Steel De La Cruz, who's, you know, done extremely well this year. Uh, 2.72 ERA, 1.097 whip. He's striking out nine per nine, walking just around three, and he's limiting, he's limiting hits to under seven per nine. Like, absolutely dominating year. My two down, uh, we talked about one earlier, Tristan Beck. Uh, I'm down on him not because of his production or his or his uh, injury. I'm down on him simply because there are other people just performing and he hasn't been able to play. So you kind of lose stock in there. And then number two is is Trey Riley. And I'm not down on him as a, as a prospect at all. Uh, it's kind of the exact same reason with Tristan Beck. Uh, Riley's just super – he's going to take some time to develop and he's – He's not there, you know. The, he still has the fantastic fastball slider combo, and it's just going to take some time for him to get comfortable with it. So, I'm I'm not down on him as a prospect. I'm just down on him as you know, based on his performance. Yeah, I can agree. With, I actually can agree with all those names. We're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna see a little bit of overlap in this, but I, I kind of want to see where everyone else is. So, uh, Matt, go ahead with your two up, two down. So, I mean, I also agree with Grav, but I have different guys. So the two guys up for me are two guys we actually talked about earlier today, Trey Harris and Victor Vodnik. I mean, I it's hard to have Pache as one of the biggest movers for me because really he was already at the top and he's just moving up a little bit in there. And I was already very high on Yasiel. I had him as my breakout candidate for both last year and then again this year because of the injury. So they, I was probably already the high man on both of them. Well, at least on Yasiel. And I just don't see Pache moving up quite a bit. So I'm going with two guys that really move up at least the most ranking spots with Vodnik, who was very low last year on the list because he was just considered so raw, but he's pitched so much better than what you were actually expecting out of him this year. He's been a lot more ready to move, and hopefully he gets back from the DL, IL, whatever you want to call it, quickly and can just keep on showing that he's ready to keep on moving up the system and possibly end up in Mississippi by the end of next year, even it would not be surprising. And how can you not have Trey? All he's done is hit. As for the guys moving down, this is a little bit tougher. Uh, I have to agree on Beck. His numbers just have not been great. He has not 
pitched a lot, so he moves down a little bit. And then the other guy that would move down for me is AJ Graffinino, who has not played at all, basically, other than that first game. And I think I still believe in everything that I believed in preseason, but I'm now a lot more concerned about him and injuries. And if it's a case of is he very injury prone or is he just not willing to play through small injuries? I mean, I'm not completely sure which one of those it is, but either way, it's a cause for concern at this point because he has a long injury history of missing extended time going back to college. So I have a few names that I, I, I just wanted to mention. I agree with all the, the, the names that they mentioned, particularly the ones trending up. Um, you know, I, Trey Harris is kind of an easy one, but I do I do want to mention a couple guys, uh, two pitchers and one and one hitter. But like kind of before I got to get in my bottom two. But Hayden Deals kind of come out of nowhere. He had a good year at Rome, but not a ton of starts, so we didn't really know what he's going to be this year. He's performed really well for, in down in Florida. The most recent starts haven't been quite as good, so it's not like worth like jumping completely on board. You have to wonder if that combination with the cutter, uh, as well as like his secondaries, as well as the fastball, you don't really know what he's going to be as a starter going forward. But he's more interesting than he was most certainly, and I imagine he'll, uh, I imagine he'll make the top thirty. It will be a little bit interesting to see kind of where he lands just because of there's once you got to get into that back half of the top 30, there's a lot of variance, I think in, in opinions amongst us as to who's where Uh, Jeremy Walker has been really, really good. I didn't think much of him. Truthfully. I, I, I always thought that the fastball was flat and his secondaries were only okay, but he pitched kind of well towards the end of last year, which made me wonder if like there might be something there. And what I didn't expect to happen was both the, the move to the bullpen at all. But early on in the season, he was handcuffed to Patrick Weigel because Patrick Weigel was only going to go two or three innings, and then then Walker would finish it out. And he performed well in that role. And once Weigel was moved back up to Gwinnett, they kept Walker in the bullpen, and he's been insanely good in the bullpen. And he comes up in big situations. He's been lights out there. He just got promoted to Gwinnett today. He's a, a guy that I did not anticipate being in the bullpen position, like bullpen picture at all for Atlanta this year. But you have to wonder if maybe he's the best bullpen pro- prospect the Braves have right now. There's a couple other guys. You know, Enoa is another guy who's performed well, and there's other guys who have performed well as well. I don't want to discount what they've been doing, but Walker's been really, really good. And it's like, kind of seems like I'm like this passion on the mound that seems to really lend itself well to that bullpen role. Um, another guy who I'm not, I am very skeptical at this point is even going to make our top 30 right now is Grayson Janista. And I think part of that has been just, you know, you wonder, the the questions that when he was drafted as to whether or not the power was ever going to play in games, we haven't seen that power play, but his overall production at virtually every level has been terrible. And we wondered why he was even promoted to double A in the first place, and he has not been good there. He connected for his first home run recently, and we get the hope that maybe that's a sign of things to come because so far, I, I mean, yet I just don't see why he's in double A, and I wonder if he's ever going to hit. He, he, it's, it's not it's not even a matter of like he's hitting 250 and you wonder if he's ever going to be a really good prospect. You have to wonder if he's even going to be one at all uh, right now. Um, another guy, a uh, couple, couple guys for me, that it, and this is more injuries with these guys, is C.J. Alexander, who didn't perform particularly well to, be, to begin with in Mississippi and then had a long layoff because of the injury. Um, that's one I feel like I'm very willing to change 
my ranking and my feeling on him very dramatically, if, assuming that everything looks better post injury. But it's a guy that you have to kind of wonder what the what in role the injury is going to play in his development. He's not a guy that has a t- like he's not he's old enough where you have to really wonder if he's losing this much time is that's a big deal for him. Uh, also, Freddie Tarnock, who again we've talked about him a bit with his in, uh, with a, his rehab stint, really raw arm, really needs experience and the chance to learn his craft and to be able to find his command. And losing time to injury and the, his performance overall so far in Florida hasn't been good. And I don't know what to do other than to just take that into account. Um, Justin Dean's another guy who's on the up and up too. I imagine he's going to probably make the, uh, he's comfortably in the top 30 at this point. A guy that I don't think we would have put there to begin the season. And now he's comfortably in there with more power and more pop in his bat than I think he's given credit for and can absolutely fly and can play in the field is another guy who, if there's an opening in the, in an outfield spot above him somewhere, he's probably a guy that deserves a spot. Uh, any other names you want to throw out there before we go on, before we let everyone go? Going once. No, I think that covers uh, it all for me. Yeah, that's all. I do want to say I did have Dean in my top 30 preseason. I believed in him, and he's moved up a little bit for me. He's surprised me a little bit, but definitely a guy I like, and I'm going to get my rankings in. I intentionally waited for the last minute because I was told that if Makai Backstrom signed today, he could be included in the rankings. So I'm not giving up uh, the, any hope. Your cutoff is tonight, bud. <laughs> so I, and I do want to clarify myself. I, I was already really high on Christian Pache, but now I believe in him as a five-tool player. So it's more of like a he's up to me personally. I now buy into everything that everyone's been saying. Right on. Fair enough. So uh, before we let everyone go, Grav, let everyone know how, if they want to support the podcast, how they can do so. Yeah, guys. Uh, Seriously, thank thank you all for listening. You know, we wouldn't do this if there wasn't anyone at all listening to us on the other side. Uh, we're actually back because of a lot of you. Um, you know, we got better audio equipment. And our last Patreon, you know, we were able to actually help fund one of our trips down to Florida. We got to scout a lot of the 2018 draftees. So if you like if you like the content and you, you feel like, uh, you know, donating and giving us a little money, head on over to our Twitter uh, road the number two Atlanta, and you can find our Patreon on our pin tweet. Perfect. Well, guys, that's all the time we have for this week. We have some errands that we all have to personally run. I have to get this edited and posted because we're already running a day late. Apologies for that. We just didn't want to record and post on the fourth because we know that a lot of people have other plans on the fourth. You know, whether it be family or you know just hanging out with friends and partying on the fourth wasn't really something that was going to work out particularly logistically either on our end, so we decided to record on today. So apologies for being a day late. We normally aren't. We are always – you know, you almost always find us on Thursdays uh, on the Talking Chop podcast feed, on iTunes or whatever purveyor of podcasts you choose. If you subscribe to Talking the Talking Chop feed, you'll not only get the Talking Chop podcast with Brad and sometimes me, sometimes Scott, sometimes whoever else Brad has on, but you'll also get this podcast. It's two podcasts for one feed. It's an easy subscription to make. Make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps support the podcast and make sure people will know about it. Greatly appreciate it. all support. We've really enjoyed doing this since it's been back. And until next time, guys, we'll see you on the road. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropSheet Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 